So we're going to begin our Exodus series in a moment, but let me just pray for us. Father, I thank you for your presence with us this morning. I thank you that you love us, that you've been with us through the Holy Spirit, that the God of creation has been with us and is with us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher this morning. You would reveal to us what you are wanting to say. Lord, I thank you for the gift of the church that we can gather together to encourage and instruct and spur one another on to love and good works. I thank you for the big story that you are working out in creation. That from before the foundation of the earth, before you created the world, you had a plan in place and that we are caught up in that plan. I thank you for that, Lord. I pray you'd speak to us in the coming weeks through this series about our place in that plan and about how you're calling us to deeper relationship with you, more fruitful relationship with you. So I pray, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read you a few lines from a poem, <clears throat> which I've adapted slightly, uh, and I'll read some more of it later on, uh, and you can try and... It, you will probably guess who uh, wrote it. I haven't adapted it that much. Um, <clears throat> but let me read a few lines from it. Open your eyes and look within. Are you satisfied with the life you're living? We know where we're going. We know where we're from. We're going to our Father's land. Exodus, movement of God's people. God come down to break oppression, bring equality. Wipe away transgression set the captives free. Exodus, movement of God's people. I'm going to read it again later. You can try and work out if you know who wrote that. I've adapted some of the lyrics. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the elders here, uh, along with Andy. <clears throat> uh, and what we're going to be doing in this series, we're going to be looking at the book of Exodus. Uh, and what, how we're going to do that is we're going to spend uh, sort of before Easter... Sort of, uh, sort of building up towards the Passover and then at the point where the Passover takes place, we're going to have, we're going to sort of match that up with Easter Sunday and then we're going to get to sort of Mount Sinai shortly after that <clears throat> where uh, the Israelites received the Ten Commandments <clears throat> and then we're going to finish the book of Exodus before the summer. So we'll be spending probably about 25-ish weeks covering the whole book of Exodus. So... That's, that's quite a, a big investment uh, of our time. It's half of our year. Uh, but we, wanna, we really feel that this is going to be of benefit to us as a church. And so we, we've said we're going to give some good time to this. We're not going to rush it. We're going to sort of look at some passages. We're going to sort of dial right in and go, okay, let's, let's look at this sort of very closely. And then other things we're going to go, actually, we need to sort of zoom out a little bit here and get the broad sweep of what's being said and what God's doing. So that's just a little bit of where we're going. It may be slightly more, it may be slightly less. We'll tweak it as we go. Uh, <clears throat> and as you always, we're always responsive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And if we need to pause for a period of time and look at something, then we'll do that. But just as we begin, I, I felt it would be helpful to give you a, a brief, a very brief uh, recap. And obviously I can't do everything of the story of Genesis. And what happened there? And Genesis is the everyone's story. It's the story of how everything got started. And so there's, there's creation, 
and then it's, it, God makes the world, and then he, he chooses a family, and he, he chooses a man. He says, through your offspring, Abraham, through your offspring, the whole world is going to be blessed. Now, at the beginning of the world, at the beginning of creation, the world, there's, everything's as it's meant to be. Everything's perfect. The, the relationship between man and God is perfect. It works the way it's meant to. But actually, the human race rejects God. It says, no, we're going to choose for ourselves. But God has a plan, as I said in that prayer. And so he chooses Abraham. He says, through your descendants, the world is going to be blessed. The world, the what, how it was meant to be will be restored. So Abraham has a son who has a son who's called Jacob. And Jacob, if you, if you don't know, he had 12 sons. And one of those was very famous, called Joseph. And Joseph, if you, if you know the story, he was betrayed by his brothers. He was the, he was the favoured son, which, you know, I know a little bit about being the favourite son. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. My, my brother is in the church, but he's not here. But he always says that I'm the favourite son. Um, but the, his brothers betray him. The, my brothers never did this to me. But they, they throw him down a well and then they sell him into slavery. And Joseph is taken to Egypt. And he goes through many trials and difficulties. But he ends up being like the chief counsellor, the prime minister effectively of Egypt. So the king is looking to him to organise all of his affairs. And then Joseph meets his brothers again when a famine has hit the land and they come to buy food from him and he's got an opportunity, he can get them back. But he doesn't. He forgives them, he welcomes them, he says, come and live with me in Egypt and I'll look after all of the family. Bring our dad down and we'll live together in Egypt. <clears throat> and then what happens is uh, Jacob dies and this is what it says. The Egyptians wept for him 70 days. So this is in Egypt. This is the land where they've come. They've come to, the father's come to live with Joseph. They're foreigners in the land. The Egyptians wept for him for 70 days. This is in uh, Genesis 50. When the days of weeping were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If I have now found favour in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, my father made me swear I'm about to die in my tomb that I've uh, I'm about to die in my tomb that I have made for myself in the land of Canaan there you shall bury me now therefore let me please go up and bury my father and then I'll return and Pharaoh answered go up and bury your father as he made you swear so Joseph went up to bury his father and this is the important bit with him went all the servants of Pharaoh the elders of his household and all the elders of the land of Egypt as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers and his father's household. Only their children, flocks and the herds were left behind in the land. And there went up with them both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. Imagine the prime minister's dad dies. And the prime minister says to the king, well, you know I'm not actually from this country. My dad said, can I bury him there? And you know, we have, the queen says, Yes, you can go and bury him, but not only that, we're all going to come with you because we, we love you. 
We love you and we want to honour your father. So we're all, the army's going to come with you. All of the, the royal family's going to come with you. All of the, the important people. This, Joseph was loved by Pharaoh. His family was honoured by Pharaoh. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. Now I'm going to read the first seven verses of Exodus, the first eight verses. But just remember that, that Joseph was honoured by Pharaoh. These are the names of the son of Israel or Jacob who came to, uh, son of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And what begins to happen is the Egyptians begin to oppress the Israelite people. Joseph and his brothers and all that generation dies and a new king comes up who doesn't know them and begins to oppress them. Very quick to forget. Gone from state funeral to slavery in the space of about eight verses. A generation. But that's going to be talked a little bit more about next week. But I just want to introduce us to Exodus. And so it's helpful to have a little bit of an understanding that actually the people of God, they're not in the land that they're meant to be in because of a famine and because of circumstance. They've been brought into a foreign land. And so they're, they're in this country and they're, they're, there was only a few of them. There were 70, which if you've got 12 sons, I mean, that's, you know, that's not a huge household, 70. Um, I think, you know, yeah, 12 sons, they've all got a wife, that's 24, have a couple of kids each. You're getting to 70 quite quickly, aren't you? So it's not a huge family, it's a pretty big family, but suddenly they're in there and they begin to multiply and they become a great nation. Who wrote this book? Who wrote Exodus? Well, it's actually someone we'll, we'll meet in a couple of weeks, a guy called Moses, who begins to lead the Israelite nation. And he wrote it looking back when they were in the wilderness. He actually wrote the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, he wrote as well. He would have had to sort of hear those stories. They would have been passed down through generations. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. But he wrote it, during, I believe, during the 40 years in the wilderness, so approximately 3,500 years ago, roughly. That's when it was written. And it's written mostly as sort of historical sort of narrative. So the, these are things that happened. This is the story of what happened. And then it goes on to be sort of law, God's directives to, on how to live. And why did he write it? He wrote it. He wrote Genesis. Genesis is the, this is the story of the world, how the world began, how we got to where we are. It was the roots. This is your, this is who you are. This is your origins for the people of God, the Israelite nation. 
And then Genesis is the, and this is how we began to get our own land. This is the, that's the roots, this is the shoots. This is where things begin to change. This is where the story really takes off. So it's an ancient book, three and a half thousand years old, written for people who lived in that era, who lived, they didn't live in Watford then, they lived two and a half thousand miles away in Egypt. Approximately two and a half thousand. So why are we looking at that? Why is that relevant to us? Exodus contains the story of Moses. Moses wrote it, but he doesn't paint himself in a great light. But it's also the story of the story. You just click in there, then I should be okay. It's the story of the story. It's the story of a people trapped in slavery, being rescued and set free. It's, a peop- it's the story of the oppressed few multiplying. Those in slavery being rescued and set free, that's what happened to us. Exodus tells the story that tells the bigger story of what God is doing in the world. That those who are trapped in slavery can be set free. The oppressed few, the, the few that are clinging on, actually they're going to become a great multitude. That's the story of the church. It's the story of a prince leaving his royal privilege in order to save his people, which is what Jesus did. It's the story of a lamb being sacrificed in order to save people from death, just like Jesus is the lamb who was slain for us. It's the story of God making known his presence to his people like the Spirit does now. It's the story of God leading his people through the wilderness towards the promised land, like he leads us through this life to our future home. It's the story of the story. And we'll see more of that over the coming weeks. We'll see these things, these themes, and we'll see this is what happened to them, and it's happening to us. This is what God did then, And this is what he's doing now. But why are we looking at Exodus? We're looking to see, we're looking to remember, and we're looking to help. We're looking to see Jesus. John 5 verse 46 says this. Jesus is talking to uh, some some leaders of the people and he says, "If, if you believed Moses, you would believe me. They're doubting who Jesus is. He said, if you really believed Moses, who wrote Exodus, you'd believe me because Moses was writing about me. If you got it, you, if you got Moses, you'd get me because I'm the one he was writing about. Moses does this in two ways. Moses himself is a type, which means he, in some ways, he represents Jesus. We can look at the life of Moses and we see there's some things there. that He's a bit like Jesus there. He's the prince who, as I said, gives up his royal privilege. He's He's referenced in Hebrews that he, he didn't count the, the riches of Egypt as worthwhile. He gave it all up for what was better, for following God. 
He's the prince who leaves his throne to save people out of slavery. He's a leader who's rejected by his people. Jesus was the true leader of Israel, the one that they were waiting for, but they rejected him. Moses, when he's leading the, the Israelites, again, they reject him. They reject him again and again. He's the one who intercedes for his people on top of a mountain. Moses does that. Jesus did that for us. And not just in Moses, but elsewhere, we see Jesus in the book of Exodus. He's, he's the lamb whose blood saves us from death. He's the rock that is struck, and yet living water flows out. He's the true bread from heaven that sustains us on the journey. So as we look at Exodus, Exodus together, we're doing it ultimately not to just learn, oh, this is what happened, but we're doing it to see Jesus. We're doing it to see him more clearly and more vividly. Because God is calling us to a more meaningful and a deeper worship and service of him. We're looking at Exodus so that we can see. We look to see and we look to remember. I'm going to read slightly more verses than this, but this is 1 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> it says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers... This is uh, unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptised into Moses in the cloud and the sea and all ate the same spiritual fruit, food and ate the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. These, are, these things that we're going to look at, they're an example to us so that we can learn from their mistakes, what they got wrong, what the, the, the children of God got wrong in those, their journey through the wilderness. We can learn from and get right. It's always best to learn from others' mistakes. I'm the youngest of four and I learned pretty early on, I'm quite pleased with myself, to learn from my brothers' and sisters' mistakes. Don't sneak out while your parents are having a prayer meeting and drive the car around the block. <laughs> or if you do, don't get caught. Um, don't punch holes in the wall and then think you can hide it with a poster. Um, you know, those sorts of things, those lessons you learn. It's wise to learn from others' mistakes. So I want, I, I'm praying for us as a church that God will help us be wise and learn from the mistakes of Israel and from Moses. He doesn't paint himself... In a good light, I'd have probably been a bit kinder to myself if I was right in there. But we do it to remember who we are. We're the children of God. We're called out of slavery. We're, we're called into freedom. God's calling us to remember what has happened to us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has saved you. You're not trapped in slavery anymore. You're not bound by sin anymore. You, maybe you came this morning and you think, Man, I've done it again this week. It's happened again. I'm I, can't, I can't shake it. It's like a dog that's gripped onto me and I can't get it off. It's just dragging me down. You're set free. God has freed you, or he can do if you're not yet free. We have been bought with blood. 
So we're looking at Exodus to see Jesus more clearly, to remember that we are remembered. There's a wonderful verse where it's, it's, it's described how the difficult times that the Israelites are having because of what's been being done to them by the Egyptians. It says, and God knew. If you're having a difficult time, God knows. He knows. He's not ignorant to it. God doesn't leave his people trapped and he won't leave you stuck where you are. We're looking to see, we're looking to remember, and we're looking to help, to help us live in the wilderness. This is Deuteronomy. Again, I've got a few more verses here that I'm going to read out, but <clears throat> the key ones are, are up there. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of your Lord your Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and of water and of fountains and springs flowing in the valleys and hills. God is bringing you into a good land. He's bringing you into a good land. We've got, we need to have faith in this life. This life is the wilderness. We're on the journey through the wilderness. So we need help to live here. It's not fun to live in the wilderness. It's not fun to live in the desert. So why are we here? We're here that God might humble us and he might make us know. He's going to humble us and he's going to teach us. It, it helps to see that we're on a, on a journey towards a promised land. We need to recognise we aren't there yet. If you think you've arrived, you're knocking on death's door. It helps us to understand that the journey is hard, but hard isn't pointless. The point of the journey is to prepare us for the promised land by humbling and teaching us by preparing us for the new creation when heaven and earth are remade. When we will see the fulfilment of the promise to Abraham that through his descendants, the nations of the world would be blessed. That is fulfilled. That promise will be fulfilled. Alex read from Revelation earlier. There's a moment in Revelation where there's every tribe and tongue and nation is worshipping Jesus. All the nations have seen the light of God. And that's the other point of the wilderness journey. Why, why were they not just rescued the Israelites and put straight into the promised land? If you see the, the distance of journey that they'd have to take, it wasn't a long one, but it took them 40 years. And actually, the generation that left didn't go in because they got it wrong. The point of being in the wilderness for us is to be prepared 
by being humbled and taught and to be a light to the nations. We're in the wilderness to be a light to those around us. That's why we don't go straight from, I've given my life to God, I'm, I'm saved now, and I'm gone. We've spent a long time looking at that at the back end of last year. We're on mission. So that's why we're looking at Exodus. Why have we subtitled the series, God Calls? Well, because God is calling. He's calling us to see and to remember and to receive help, to see and know Jesus more, to remember those who've gone before and to remember our place in the big story of God, to encourage us to seek God's help to sustain us on our journey towards the promised land so that we can be a light to those around us. God is calling. He's calling us as a people to worship him and him alone. We'll see what happens when the idols of the world come up against God in a few weeks' time. He calls us individually to serve him in our weakness. God calls because this story is our story. The story of Exodus is the story that God is calling you into. Each week, we want to extend that call from God to you. Whoever's speaking will be extending that call of God to say, this is God's story, you can be in on it. You don't have to just observe, you can be part of the story. He's calling you out of slavery into freedom, out of darkness into light, into his presence. He's calling you further into his presence to worship him and to delight in his glory. He's calling you to journey with him through the wilderness of this life to the promised land of his eternal presence. He's calling you to be a light in this life to those who are still trapped in the land of darkness. You can respond to the Exodus story today. Open your eyes and look within. Are you satisfied with the life you're living? Ask yourself that question. Are you satisfied with the life you're living? We know where we're going. We know where we're from. We're going to our Father's land. Exodus, movement of God's people. God came down to break down oppression and bring equality. Wipe away transgression, set the captives free. Exodus, movement of God's people. an adaptation of the song Exodus by Bob Marley. It's big questions. Are you satisfied with the life you're living? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're from? Are you going to your father's land? Have you felt the joy of transgression being wiped away? Have you felt the joy of, be, of being a captive who's set free? Are you satisfied with the life you're living? Do you know where you're going? Are you free? Are you one of God's people? Christian, there's more for you. There's no one in the church called Christian. I'm saying if you're a Christian... There's more for you. There's more for you. There's a greater sense of God's presence. 
Do you want it? Do you have confidence that you're heading to the promised land? Do you know freedom? There's more freedom to know. Do you know what it means to be one of God's people, to be a child of God? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to finish. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that over these next uh, few months together, we're going to dive into the truth of what you're doing in the world as we learn about the truth of what you've done in the world. That as we come to know you more, as we come to see the holy God that we sang about this morning, that we would be able to worship you with greater depth. That as we see the, the powerful God, we would worship you with greater enthusiasm that we would have a passion stirred by your compassion, that we would have the joy of forgiveness as we see you wiping away transgression, removing sins as far as the east is from the west, never to meet again. I pray for anyone this morning who has never felt the joy of that forgiveness, who knows, I, I know I, I, I feel stuck in my life, there's things that I do I don't want to do. But Jesus can set you free. That the blood of Jesus has been shed for us. It's been shed for you. And it means that actually you can be set free. You can be missed out in the judgment of God. That he will, the, the judgment that should be yours will be passed over. And you'll receive instead the reward of, of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of him will be credited to you. I ask, speak to us, continue to speak to us as we look at this book over the next few weeks, Lord. Weeks and months. I ask, come and continue to work amongst us in Jesus' name. Amen.